I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Approximately 200 senior executives from hospitals, integrated delivery systems, physician group practices, and other health-related entities recently took part in the 2014 Healthcare Information Security Today survey. The demand for professional certifications was among the many information security and privacy trends we examined in our survey. Today, I'm speaking with Sean Murphy, a vice president at Lidos Health Solutions Group, formerly SAIC. Sean serves as the organization's health information privacy and security officer. Among Sean's multiple professional certifications are credentials from the International Information System Security Certification Consortium, better known as ISC Squared. ISC Squared, which sponsored the Healthcare Information Security Today survey, is a leading global organization in educating and certifying information security professionals throughout their careers. Sean will discuss some of our survey findings related to the importance of professional credentials. Hi, Sean. Hello there. Thanks for joining us. Now, to start, our survey found that the top information security priorities for healthcare organizations in 2014 are improving regulatory compliance, improving security awareness and education for physicians, staff, executives, and board members, preventing and detecting breaches, monitoring HIPAA compliance of business associates, and encrypting mobile devices. How might hiring individuals with professional credentials, such as the Healthcare Information Security and Privacy Practitioners, or HCISPP, from ISC Squared, contribute to an organization meeting all or some of these goals? I think the short answer is, through all of those priorities, Someone with a level of competency within healthcare and privacy and security uh, of information can help in all of those areas. Over time, what we have learned uh, in the healthcare industry is that when you take even the best proven information security practices from other industries and then you bring them into the healthcare clinical setting and try to implement them without fully acknowledging and understanding that there are certain differences in patient safety kind of concerns and patient safety risks that are introduced possibly by one control over another. You know, we found that this is a big issue and it, and it takes a level of healthcare savvy for an information protection uh, professional to come into a healthcare organization and be able to implement. Sometimes it's the, the tailored risk approach or tailored controls, doing things just a little bit differently than what the prescribed control is, but still getting to the, the same endpoint. And then oftentimes it's developing a compensating control or some kind of a mitigation action that you acknowledge that maybe you can't do this control as it's prescribed by whatever standard um, body that you're, that you're using, but instead you're going to use this control to get again to the same endpoint. Um, and oftentimes that's a more expensive proposition and you know, we don't typically try to do things in security that just simply add cost. So you have to be able to communicate what that value is as well to the organization. And from a clinical perspective, the value is, you know, minimizing patient safety, patient patient care issues. So um, having somebody that has a demonstrated level of competency in that area is very important and can help with you know, all of the priorities that you outlined. 
Um, I think that the common thread among all of them is we need people that you know are able to support us in achieving those goals. So why are professional credentials in healthcare security and privacy so important? I think it starts with the level of assurance that healthcare leadership, whether it's a CIO, a CISO, um, or a compliance officer, chief compliance officer, a level of assurance that they, they need to have that their workforce gets it, that they're, they're confident and that they have the ability to implement the changes and the controls and the security and the privacy uh, measures that are needed. And so they need something tangible to, to say this person has what it takes. One of the things that I find as I talk to more CIOs, CISOs in healthcare is um, in a lot of places we have very junior staff. We have uh, people that have maybe grown up with the organization and have different roles within the organization but now have a almost brand new responsibility in handling electronic information or protecting the electronic assets. And we need to be able to develop these personnel in, in a way that, um, again, it gives us a, a tangible uh, return on investment, something that we can see very clearly that they've been able to obtain uh, a level of competency that's measured by you know, an objective third party. When we talk about credentials, a lot of people um, in the year, they, they talk about uh, the fact that, you know, why credentials? I mean, what, why not formal education or you know, some other measurement? Why do we have to have these initials behind our name? Because, you know, I, you know people get training and, you know, they, they have a great body of knowledge that they can point to within their resume. And that's all very true and, and um, it's very valid. However, within many different industries, credentialing has been proven as a, a pretty good way of, of providing objective measurement to how competent somebody is within their chosen profession. So, you know, healthcare didn't invent credentialing, um, but we certainly use it in a lot of different ways. Information security didn't invent credentialing, but we use it in a lot of different ways. And if there's any industry in general that has really valued credentialing over others, it's been information technology, um, simply because it's so dynamic. Five or ten years ago, credentials that were the industry standard or were, you know, the, the pinnacle of success um, are now obsolete. And, you know, the, the industry moves fast. And I think healthcare information security is the same. Um, it's very dynamic. It's moving very fast. Formal education degrees at the baccalaureate and master level um, are certainly very important, and they're um, they're always going to be very important. But when we talk about the level of competency for like specific tactical kind of things, these credentials that we have uh, within the within the information security industry with ISC squared, um, and now the HCISPP really do point to a a very relevant and uh, reliable standard of, of competency and it and it points to um, timeliness I mean this is this is a credential that, that is able to change with the changes in technology within the changes in regulation um, and it's international so that dynamic aspect to it is why credentialing um, becomes so very important so now what would you suggest people look for in choosing a credential to pursue? That's a um, that's a very complex question. Uh, I think you start with looking at um, organizations that are leading the way in providing credentials in general. If this is the only credential that they if they only provide one credential, then maybe they're at the forefront or you know in, in terms of maturity levels of 
an organization, they may they may need it to have a little more experience in developing credentials and offering them and maintaining them. I look for somebody that is leading the way in providing credentials at first, or at the first step. I want to know that the organization that's developing or offering the credential has a rigorous process, you know, in putting it together, not just something that you know they, they put out there without a whole lot of thought and the strategic planning. So there is a rigorous uh, selection process for candidates. It's not you know, not everybody can take the test and cut a check and, and get the credential. So um, there's that behind it. I also like to see that there's an objective third party that has credentialed the credentialing organization, somebody like the American uh, National Standards Institute that um, has you know, looked at the, the process. And as I mentioned, you know, we'd like it to be a, a rigorous process. So the American Na National Standards Institute and others have looked at the process and, and says, yeah, this passes the muster for developing, maintaining, and offering credentials. Then I think that's a feather in, in that organization's cap. And it's a, it's a plus for the validity of the credential itself that they're offering. And I look, I look at the organization that's offering the credential, and I want to see that there are bona fide subject matter experts that are putting together the credentialing process, the curriculum, the body of knowledge, the exam itself, and, and developing the requirements to even sit for the exam. People that have worked in the field, people that are recognized, people that have the same battle scars that uh, a lot of us have in information security and healthcare information security in particular. They can walk the talk, stand behind the credential, it has, has that much more meaning. I really would like to see that there's a continuing education piece behind the credential. It's not a pass once, you know, lifetime credentialing process. So yes, you know, you get the credential, but then annually you have to maintain the level of continuing education, staying current in the profession, and growing yourself and evolving as a um, healthcare information security professional privacy and security professional. And you know, that goes back to the idea that you know this is a very dynamic field and what was true maybe five years ago is an old way of thinking and we've got new technology, we've got new processes, we've got new regulations that we're we're dealing with. So you gotta stay on top. One last thing is I really think there's value in the organization behind the credential in terms of can I affiliate with that organization and have a network of like-minded professionals that either have this credential or are aspiring to this credential. But in any case, it's you know, it's a, an organization that you can also collaborate with and, like I said, network uh, with like-minded professionals. So I think all that wrapped up in, in a summary statement is, you know, an organization that offers a credential. What I'm looking for is one that um, has all of those components. Now, the Certified Information System Security Professional, or CISSP, from ISC Squared is also a globally recognized credential that's sought after across many industries and, according to our survey findings, is in demand by a majority of organizations that participated in the survey. What specific gaps can be filled by healthcare organizations hiring another popular credential that was named by our survey respondents, again, the Healthcare Information Security and Privacy Practitioners, and how do the specific skill sets and knowledge needed by healthcare security professionals differ from other industries? To start with, if you're comparing just the CISSP against a healthcare credential, there are some specific areas of emphasis, I would say. I don't know if I would call them gaps per se, but there are areas of emphasis that become very important. 
So if if somebody has a CISSP, it doesn't it doesn't mean that they shouldn't look at the, the HCISPP as a, a credential that can also uh, help them further communicate their their level of competency with, with that healthcare specific focus. So, but it also it also does very well as a standalone certification to communicate the same kind of uh, breadth and depth of knowledge to include healthcare specific knowledge and, and experience. But in healthcare, you know, for me, it starts with the availability of information. Um, patient care, business processes in healthcare, all are very dependent on availability. I would argue that it's um, a little more important in healthcare for um, availability of information than in a lot of other fields that apply information security. And some of that is is exemplified in, in like the recent executive order that named healthcare uh, infrastructure as a critical infrastructure, along with um, several other industries. So it's an acknowledgement that you know uh, healthcare information has to be available to the provider, the right provider at the right time for the right patient. Um, it's critical for that to happen, and so availability, uptime, network access, these kind of things are just very crucial in healthcare. That's a starting point, and then oddly enough, with the implementation of the electronic health record uh, over the last couple of five years, six years, a lot of healthcare organizations have become very adept at using healthcare, electronic healthcare information, and in many ways, we're not as good at going back to manual processes for accessing data as we once might have been. That's proven out in in several instances where um, electronic health records went offline at different organizations, and um, the ability to uh, look at uh, medication histories or previous encounters um, becomes very problematic, especially in an industry where time is of the essence, and providers do not have an abundance of time to spend with, with patients. And so they don't have that information at their fingertips, and they don't have any kind of warning that they're not going to have that information at their fingertips. Um, a lot of times, it's very difficult to go back and, and pull a chart or find some kind of a paper record or have some kind of manual process to access that data for them, and that's a patient care issue and patient safety issue, and those are things that are very important in healthcare. So uptime, again, and, and availability of information um, are, so, are so very important. You know, and it's, and it's not just the lack of, of information, per se, but in some cases, the requirements for the availability of information may be a little more stringent than what some of our vendors or third parties are used to. So maybe if they have healthcare clients, for, from a data center perspective, they have a healthcare client, they have clients in banking, clients in, in retail. And in healthcare, we, we, especially in the U.S., we have them respond to regulations like HIPAA and, and all of its amendments, which require us to have certain provisions within a data center environment or cloud environment that, again, are, can be more stringent um, than what they might be used to with other clients and other persons, other organizations that they support. So that, um, so that you know, the uptime or the notification alerts or the segmentation of the data become an issue that maybe the, the third-party vendor wasn't necessarily looking to um, have to support. But we can't relax those standards, and so um, someone who's working in healthcare information privacy and security that have responsibility for third-party risk management really needs to have the healthcare savvy behind them uh, to be able to negotiate those uh, business associate agreements that are important, to be able to negotiate the contract language and the service level agreements that are important, in those situations, and they certainly can't just accept, you know, some kind of a templated contract from the third-party service provider 
that is a take it or leave it option because the law won't allow that. And so expect our personnel that are that are in charge of you know working those issues uh, to understand it and to stand behind it. Those are some of the things that the, the HCISPP try to address um, and try to, to tease out of through the curriculum and through the examination process, uh, tease out some of these nuances that are they're very impactful in the healthcare setting. One other thing I, I mentioned earlier about you know best practices and in, in information security when they're overlaid into a healthcare setting, they often have the intended intent. They do secure the organization or they protect the information, um, but sometimes they have an unintended effect. And you know, one of these areas of emphasis uh, that I like to point to is things like automated patch uh, pushing for vulnerabilities. You know, we like to do everything kind of uh, remotely and automatically, and if a patch, once it's tested and, and we think it'll, um, it'll fix the vulnerability, push it out through the organization um, and you know, it gets fixed upon the next boot up of a machine. And, and that's great, but when you have an environment where um, medical devices, special purpose computing platforms are out there, you, know, you have to be able to accommodate those um, from, from the perspective of a lot of it um, has to be done manually, but at the very least you have to coordinate with the medical device manufacturers to make sure that they've tested and approved the patch. Um, and if not, you have, to, you, know, you have to work through those processes, which can be tiresome. And in a lot of ways, they can, um, they're, not, they're not as efficient as we'd like them to be. However, um, they are important and needed. We need people in the workforce and healthcare that understand the complexity and can work through those processes. Now, our survey found that as organizations look to hire information security staff over the next 12 months, top competencies being sought in those candidates include knowledge of privacy and security issues in healthcare, knowledge of the healthcare industry, information governance and risk management skills, knowledge of regulatory environment, security audit skills, and information risk assessment skills. So with that in mind, if resources for privacy and security talent are tight, what are the top reasons why a health entity should choose a professional with a HCISPP certification over a candidate with a different credential or no credential? And do you look for these credentials when you hire security professionals for your organization, Sean? When I saw that um, that data point where the number two response, number two pop, most popular response, was a desire to have workforce that were aware of privacy, aware of just general healthcare issues or, or just the general healthcare environment, to me it validated the, the water cooler conversations I've had over the years with many of my colleagues, where this is something that we need. We you know we hire people that have a lot of information security background or, or privacy protection background and you put them in a healthcare environment and in some ways it frustrates them, in some ways it, you know, it's a very steep learning curve, um, it's not impossible, that's certainly not the message here, it just is one of the top two or three competencies that we really need out of a healthcare information security workforce is that understanding and acknowledgement of the healthcare environment, the physicians, the nurses, the, you know, the workforce, um, the medical technicians that exist come together to provide patient care, knowing that is very important. So it is interesting to know that the survey demonstrated that. It brought that information out. That answer was given ahead of a lot of other very technical and administrative skill sets that you know, we also need uh, within the healthcare environment. But um, they were number three, number four, number five, a lot of popular answers. And I think what it also points to is 
in healthcare, a lot of the other surveys that are out there, the Ponemon Institute and, um, and others, have demonstrated that we still are in an era where the, the major risk is internal, whether it's fully qualified, authorized user doing something incorrectly, or somebody snooping into records or things like that. Uh, but it's almost and the inadvertent, unauthorized use of protected health information is really still one of our, our most major threats. And having a competent workforce, you know, at the ready to help build programs and build awareness and even implement technical solutions that help to guard against the internal threat is, is still so very important and such a there's there's a, a demonstrated return on investment to having those qualifications in the organization to at least do your best to prevent against the internal threat because that's still kind of where we are in terms of you know what we're seeing as exploiting vulnerabilities in an organization. It's still primarily internal. However, comma, uh, as we move um, into, into the next year or two, um, the adversary, the external threat, is certainly catching up to us. Um, they're finding out that you know, the medical record, if you can get a hold of that, it's worth about four times as much on the um, black market as the social security number. So in terms of medical identity theft, financial identity theft, um, it's a very valuable target, so they're coming, and you know we have to guard against that as well. And so, having a competent workforce, having you know these credentialed uh, personnel in your in your workforce, um, helps to keep them current on that kind of a concept. Like I said, it, this is kind of looking out in the very near term, but still looking out bit into the future um, and getting ahead of any threats that we see coming from uh, from the outside. So, you know, having people that are, are continually develop themselves as professionals um, and having um, professional organizations that, is, that they're tied to that they can network with is so very crucial for even uh, being able to program and implement the, the technology and the administrative controls that you're going to need to defend against the external threat, which is growing. And to answer your question directly, would, would I look for this uh, credential um, as a hiring authority? The short answer is yes for all the reasons that I've kind of outlined why the, why the credential is so very important. If I'm looking at you know, two relatively qualified individuals and I see that one has taken the time to invest in, in themselves and in the profession of healthcare, uh, specifically because of the HCISPP, I think that communicates so very much in the span of about five letters. So if I see HCISPP, I know a lot about that candidate immediately, and I think that's it's going to become you know, more prevalent and, and more of an understanding as, as, the, um, as the credential grows. And, and oh, by the way, as the headlines continue to read, data breach in healthcare, data breach in healthcare, um, there's a lot of people that are looking for answers. And I think a qualified, competent workforce, much like we did in the Department of Defense with mandating information assurance professionals have certain credentials, CISSP being one of them, I look for a day when healthcare is going to need to be able to demonstrate that their workforce is is competent in some way, shape, or form to to handle this information, and it's not just an additional duty that's slept onto the the guy or gal that um, that shows enough interest in it that uh, they get the job. What professionals are candidates to seek a HCISPP credential, and what sorts of jobs and roles in the healthcare sector would someone with a HCISPP credential typically hold? I think if you walk into a healthcare organization and you ask people, you know, who is responsible here for protecting information, and probably every hand in the room would, would go up because 
you know, through HIPAA training and um, through just data protection training, you know, we all grow up with the idea that, you know, we're all responsible in some way, shape, or form. And healthcare is interesting that there are many communities, more so than just in the IT area, that have long had a role in protecting information in one way, shape, or form. And those communities are, are really coming together through the use of more electronic information and more network devices. So I see three major communities in a healthcare organization that this kind of a credential would apply to very specifically. First, I would look at the, the individuals that used, that used to work in what we well, still work in what we call the health information management area where medical records, um, you know, they're the medical records professionals. Those records are becoming more digital. More electronic. Uh, there's still a lot of paper in most healthcare organizations, but um, healthcare information management is becoming a very digital profession. And with that comes you know, the HIPAA security rule, and they already are experts in the HIPAA privacy rule. But they're they're, they're taking on this additional EPHI, electronic protected health information role. And you know, this competency, this credential, is a great measure for the work that they do, and it applies to them. The other community is the IT professionals that either have worked in healthcare um, for a while or maybe even a career, but then specifically the IT professionals that are coming from other industries like retail and finance and telecommunications and what have you. They're walking into a healthcare organization and some of the domains that are covered in the healthcare information, privacy and security, uh, professional credentials, uh, cover those domains that are healthcare specific and, and, and helps them to get that healthcare savvy uh, that, that's going to be needed to tailor the controls, develop compensating controls, and just implementing healthcare information privacy and security that it actually enables patient care and you know, minimizes patient safety risk. And then the last, the last community is one that I think have long had their hands up in the air to say, you know, we do a lot with information technology, specifically healthcare information technology, and that's our biomedical technicians, clinical engineers. Um, they have long been in the information technology business with medical devices, and those medical devices are becoming more and more networked. I mean, and that's almost a statement that is passe. I mean, almost almost any medical device right now is looking for a way to be networked, whether it's a body area network or a personal area network or through RFID or what have you. But the clinical engineers and the biomedical technicians are doing information technology and information security as much as anybody else in the healthcare industry right now, if not maybe a little bit more. And so this credential is one that is a great way for them to show you know, their competency and their ability because um, the domains are all basically uh, within the HCISPP. The domains are all basically things that they're doing and, the, and things that they know. And so those three communities are coming together. And in the middle of that Venn diagram, if you can imagine the three circles that I've just described and they're coming together, in the middle of that Venn diagram is the ideal HCISPP person who is pretty much cognizant and aware of all those different types of issues that those three communities work with because they're converging. Um, they're all kind of having the same conversations and the same kind of issues. And they always have had to work together to make sure the organization provides clinical and clinical care and, and optimizes revenue to the, uh, keep the organization going. But even more so now that, that you know, everything's becoming more digital, everything's becoming more networked, and regulations are reflecting that. And so uh, I think those three communities have most vested interest, at least in the near term, on this credential. 
And so I, I kind of outlined some of the job the job titles that those people um, would have, but you know, certainly network administrators, IT help desk professionals, to some extent, um, IT directors, CISOs would be looking at this credential as a uh, you know as, as an acknowledgement to um, healthcare specific issues, health information management professionals, records management professionals, um, compliance personnel, group risk managers would certainly um, find themselves within this credential, and of course, I. Uh, Finish up with the biomedical technicians, the biomedical engineers, medical engineers in our organizations. Um, they would be well suited to credential like this. So now, finally, Sean, how would professionals go about getting the HCISPP credential? As it's kind of a brand new credential, there are um, education offerings and different study materials that are that are coming out. The first place I'd go to is the um, ISC squared website, www.isc2. Org, um, and I would look through what's available online right now to describe the curriculum, to describe the domain. Uh, there's some information out there on what the um, experience levels are uh, for being able to for the exam. This credential is a practitioner-based credential. It is, you know, there's a lot of experience that goes into building the curriculum. These are not to put too sharp a point on this, but these are. The curriculum is more developed from the experiences of the the, SN, the subject matter experts that put the curriculum together. The, the years of experience, these are the things that we encountered. So if, if you have experience in healthcare and information security and, and information technology, you, you'll see a lot of the, the same kind of issues that, that you've dealt with through your career depending on how much experience level you do have. There is a curriculum, and the curriculum is developed on learning objectives and on a common body of knowledge. So there, there was just recently launched a, a training a program for um, helping people to focus on the study materials, uh, the sources of the study materials, you know, rooted in uh, the National Institute of Standards, special publications, so if you've got familiarity with some of those, um, you'll do very well, as well as the European Data Protection Directive and some international things. But it's not too very deep in, in that kind of external policy and procedures. It's, it's really, really relating to how the information security privacy and professional relates in their organization, putting into place the policies and procedures to protect information, the technical aspects of the controls that we want to put into place, and then an acknowledgement to the ability for them to be able to tailor controls and compensate and, and provide compensating controls. So last but not least, after you've got done looking at the website and after you've found yourself within the experience level and got you know experience in the certain domains that are required and you feel like you're a candidate for the exam and maybe you can or cannot or want to um, take the training that's available, um, there will be text that will be available pretty soon from ISC Square that uh, outline the common body of knowledge and, and provide a pretty good study guide for, for taking the exam. But I guess I, as I to close on that thought, you know, I want to emphasize that it's not about reading a book and taking the test. Um, this is you've got to have the experience, um, or at least in some of the domains, and then certainly you uh, uh, can learn more about the other domains. So if you're strong in one domain or two domains, and then you, you kind of say, "Well, I haven't worked in healthcare for very long, so I don't really know, you know everything there is to know about." healthcare environment, you'll learn that over time. It's just important to, there's no one study guide, there's no one particular source that you want to run to and then go take the test because that's not the way this was developed. Thank you, Sean. I've been speaking to Sean Murphy. I'm Marian Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.